Welcome, everyone. This is All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 166. This is the three-hour special where I catch up with Mr. Rafe Blandford. How are you doing, Rafe? I'm doing very well, thank you, Steve. I think we might uh, try to avoid doing three hours and instead talk about uh, some of the topics over the next few podcasts. Uh, but yes, this is kind of the first one for me this year. You did a, a great kind of podcast with guest Stephen Quinn last week. So thank you to both of you for doing that. But uh, I guess a particular thank you to Stephen for stepping in at the last moment. Yes, it's a very different style when he's on, and it's more a sort of a, a more a chat rather than a, a, a takedown of all the different news and analysis. But I think people enjoy it. I think he enjoyed it, and uh, and makes a nice break for everyone, really. Indeed, and I've had a couple of people say to me that they really like the alternative, and then very quickly added, "Oh, but we're looking forward to having you back." So they try not to hurt my feelings, but I, I quite enjoy being replaced every now and then. Anyway, you are back from CES. Where you were, you were. I won't say slumming it in Las Vegas, but probably quite hard at work. I imagine you were uh, working all hours of the day for your main business, and uh, hoping you got a few uh, look at a few Windows Phone, Windows Ten mobile devices along the way. Uh, I did indeed. I mean, it's one of the big trade shows of the years. For those that don't know, uh, CES is kind of like a big general consumer electronics show, although it's expanded into new areas. Actually, much like MWC has over the years. The one people always talk about is the uh, cars that you get in the North Hall. But it's so big now, it actually takes place over three or four geographically separate venues, all within uh, Las Vegas. But you get everything from kind of startups who are showing off their latest connected thing to Intel with their big booth and then Ford and then startup car manufacturers. And then you get uh, Adobe and some of the software suppliers and the marketing companies. So it's it's a really big event. I mean, maybe it's worth talking just to, about a few of the, the big trends that yeah. I, I saw. I mean, it's interesting. Everyone who goes to see it as will get a slightly different experience. It depends what you're focused on and what you're looking for. But this time, I was kind of of a mind that, uh, that the first time I went to CES, I think at least, was in 2007, which is where Nokia announced the uh, N79, I believe it was, the uh, kind of uh, Motorola Razr lookalike N-series phone. And also... Uh, N76, that was. 76, thank you. Um, <laughs> And uh, I knew it was 70 something and the N93i, which was kind of the follow up to the uh, transformer camera phone with the kind of mirrored finish, both of which were kind of attractive devices. I think the, in some ways, neither particularly exciting. The N76 in particular kind of was late to that whole thin flip phone trend. Um, and in some ways, I think the original version of the N93 had more to recommend it, but without dwelling on the past it was also of course the time that the iphone was announced by apple in right in the middle of ces and of course when i first went there no one was using smartphones or at least there were very few it's kind of if you're using a symbian phone you're kind of the exception to the rule a lot of um kind of flip phones and candy bar phones just running suddenly equipped to series 40 or some proprietary os you did see quite a lot of people with things like um you know pdas palm devices there were of course um, some Windows mobile devices around and some uh, Trio things as well. Uh, but you know, no Android, no iOS, of course. You fast forward, well, eight years, and you see everyone's got a smartphone in their pocket, which totally changes how you sort of operate at CES in terms of communication, things like that. But I think more importantly, all dominant on the stands as well. I would say every other stand 
was connected to the smartphone in some way. It was a connected object that worked through it or that had some service that was added to it. And it did kind of just bring it home to me how much it changed. And so the big things I suppose you could talk about was it's that CS is connected life and this idea of internet of everything. And of course that was smart home. Of course that was wearables. And this isn't necessarily directly related to Windows phone. Of course, it's more about a comment in general. But what struck me was actually it was moving a little bit beyond the phone. What I mean by that is there were a greater number of devices that operated independent of a smartphone or independent of a PC. And you can think of things like Wi-Fi speakers. We've had those for a while, but increasingly there were also two-way devices. So there was a smart speaker that attached to the fridge and integrated with Amazon Echo. So kind of a, a voice service. And then there were all sorts of health devices, all sorts of smart home devices. And now admittedly, some of them need a, a phone to be set up or could be monitored through that, but they also worked independently of that. And we've had for so long stuff being converged into the smartphone. I think now much more we're seeing kind of distributed intelligence outside of the, the smartphone. It still acts as the primary control point. And it's, of course, in the, the last eight years, it's become the primary computer. But I think there'll be a lot of computing power and sort of potentially interaction points, touch points for the consumer lying outside of that smartphone. And so in one sense, while loads of stuff has converged in, there's now this sense that there's also, you know, it's spreading out wider and it's not just about a, a single single point or indeed a singular device it's very much about kind of a distributed ecosystem of consumer electronic devices and so that struck me as, as very interesting that and the rise of kind of the new interaction mechanisms i mean we've seen that of course with smartphones themselves you know not just the introduction of touch and then more recently the introduction of voice and then the kind of variations on that but you were seeing that far more broadly and gestures becoming more important as well arguably and uh, I think the third kind of big theme was just an explosion of sensors. I mean, this really traces back to Nokia's original work with the accelerometer and the sort of sensors going into the phone that way, and then subsequently the magnetometer and, of course, cameras as well. But these are, are sensors of a ever-widening variety. I mean, this time around, there are a whole bunch of uh, sensors that uh, could detect air pollution or chemical sensors that were actually getting ready for production. So I think that's something we'll see more of in the next few years. I mean, if you like the ability to smell. Um, we've had sea and magnetic fields and all that uh, and movement and motion and things like that. And it was the number of those sensors being packed into an ever-increasing variety of devices. I mean, if you listen to the commentators, they'll tell you that there are going to be eight times as many Internet of Things devices as there are mobile phones. If you apply that same logic to sensors, there's probably going to be something like 24 times as many sensors as there are mobile phones on the planet. It's just going to be an absolute explosion. And there were lots and lots of new connected devices, everything from the connected cat litter tray, which isn't quite as uh, exciting as it sounds, I'm afraid to say, um, to, you know, connected cooking pots and all those kind of things. But there were an increasing number that kind of made a lot of sense to me. Um, one that I just want to pick out as a favourite was a Whirlpool washing machine. And you say, I can almost hear people groaning in the background because connected yeah, appliances yeah. has yeah. been <laughs> around for so long. But actually, the reason this was smart was it has a big litre tank. So you can fill up with liquid and then it will run through any number of washers and releasing the right amount. But it'll actually use Amazon Dash to reorder automatically when you need 
more liquid to be delivered. And so it's the Amazon replenishment service, which um, we've kind of seen already with the Amazon dash buttons with things like Tide marked on them. And it's US only at the moment, obviously. But this idea that some of your appliances could order consumables automatically on your behalf, I think is really interesting because it takes some of the drudge work out. Now, I think there are some refinements around how it actually works. Could it perhaps just add it to your shopping basket automatically rather than just do a special delivery or does it group things, batch them together? But that kind of intelligence does make sense to me, as does, you know, integrating into smart home. So you'll be alerted if you've accidentally left your oven on. I think that makes more sense than kind of internet fridges with, you know, ordering milk for you. I mean, there's obviously still a lot of work to go on in this space. Um, but using the fridge as a home hub as a kind of communication center sort of made sense and there's a, a product called um, i think it was tribby which basically combined several things together including the ability to leave messages for family members and sort of had some analog things in that there was a message flag popped up when there was a new thing for you to to look at and it could do voice over ip and actually this was one that also integrated into amazon echo the ability to kind of set music pl- to playing ask it basic queries sort of siri or cortana like so you know lots of interesting things and as you can probably tell i'm still digesting and thinking about what the interesting things were um but i guess i should also talk about some windows phone stuff but i i'm curious steve as to whether you sort of caught any of them um remotely when when ces was going on i didn't see very much in terms of that our core windows 10 mobile um experience which are things like the lumia 950 xl i'm assuming that they were there in a, a low profile with microsoft i did see some some uh publicity around the alcatel one touch which are their fierce xl budget phablets now i haven't got the specs in front of me but i gather it was fairly large and also uh, rather cheaper than the uh, 950 xl there was also the alcatel one touch pixie three which i'm assuming is even bigger again apparently so it, it, this, it just seems like the fablets are the in thing this year it is i mean the reason i asked that is because there didn't seem to be much attention being being paid to them and actually i would divide this into to two things there were some windows 10 mobile on display and yes the lumia 950 950 xl were around microsoft didn't actually have a, a booth themselves but you could see it in in various partner booths, Qualcomm, for example. Um, but yes, the probably the one that was getting most attention was the Alcatel, uh, kind of this fierce XL, because as you say, that was brand new for CES, as was the Pixie 3, which is an eight-inch tablet. And that's why I said there's two things <laughs> to really, really note. They were kind of standard phones. And actually what was also interesting on the Qualcomm stand, you could see a whole bunch of the Windows 10 uh, mobile devices that have been announced by various players and actually it was mainly ones from the uh, Japanese uh, manufacturers new and non I think it is and then uh, something like Cohip and JSR uh, none of them particularly stood out one of them is the one that uh, I think we've reported on previously kind of is made of a wooden material but it was interesting to see a few of them collected together I would still say that the Lumia 950 and the 950XL are, are the ones to beat. The Acer Jade Primo, which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast before, gets very close. And if you're looking for the kind of metallic phone, probably worth uh, worth checking out. And it has the continuum support. So it is a, a high-end device. The rest were running either on Snapdragon 4 or Snapdragon 600 uh, kind of series processors. So less capable and not necessarily having that continuum support. But they were very low-key. This was really just on a handful of stands where I came across these. Uh, I've taken some photos and I'll put them up into a gallery in due course. Um, 
the other thing that said were these eight inch tablets. And this is kind of a new thing for Windows 10 mobile. These are exactly what they sound like. You know, you're probably seeing the seven, eight inch Windows tablets that have been sold previously for around a hundred pounds running the full version of Windows. Well, yeah. that, that's exactly what these are, except they're not running the full version of uh, Windows. They're running Windows 10 for phones or Windows 10 for mobile. Um, there was the Acer. I mean, to be quite honest, nothing special to write home about in hardware terms, these tablets. They were running typically the Snapdragon 210 processors. Um, the screen seemed to be reasonably good. The price points suggest would probably be around £100. But these um, were not necessarily having a SIM card in them. There was some talk of um, versions with and without. Uh, but there are actually a couple of other companies were also showing these off. There was a company called Mdor, for example, and there was one called Foxter, and slight variations on the design. I suspect what's happened here, as in the past, is kind of a reference design, and a couple of manufacturers have picked them up. And it, the first time I looked at them, I thought, oh, well, that's not very interesting. It's kind of an 8-inch Windows phone, which is impractical to, to use as a phone, even assuming it does have the SIM card support. And if it doesn't, it kind of does that really work. But of course, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that Windows 10 Mobile is a lot more capable as an operating system. And actually, it solves some of the problem with those, for anyone who's used one of those seven or eight inch Windows tablets that comes in, you know, anything from sort of 60 pounds upwards, they will know that the performance isn't great. And really, what it's useful for is maybe using a browser window and then a couple of the office apps, which of course, Windows 10 Mobile does very well. And the, the performance overhead is less than full Windows. And so actually, for those who are looking for a Windows tablet in which to do a bit of browsing, a bit of Word, PowerPoint and Excel work, now that Windows 10 Mobile has matured and you've got better versions, most notably of the Office apps, it's kind of an interesting solution. Now, of course, you can't run the x86 applications, so I suspect it will have less appeal to techies, but uh, I'm not sure they were ever going to really pick up and use those devices in a serious way. For consumers who are looking for kind of an ultra-cheap Windows device and want a tablet device, actually, it's kind of an interesting option. Um, I think I'd probably need to use one for a while to comment further than that. But the fact that it has, as I say, the, the good version of Office, uh, basically the same that you get on the Android and the iOS tablets, the, the touch versions of those Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook applications, plus, of course, a pretty decent browser in Microsoft Edge and a lot of the other bits and pieces. You know, Outlook's a pretty strong candidate on Windows 10 Mobile. You've got things like Cortana. You've got good weather and news apps. And you're starting to see a pretty reasonable variety of third-party applications. So, you know, obviously it's not going to compete against a high-end Android or indeed an iOS device. But you know, as an alternative to a, a cheap Android device that you pick up just for browsing, Actually, it starts to become quite interesting, especially, of course, if you're using Windows elsewhere, be that on a, a desktop, a laptop, or, or a phone device. Um, so I think I'll probably pick up one of these devices once they become a bit more widely available. Um, and, you know, they are, they are going to be cheap because I say they're running the Snapdragon 210 processors. The screens, I mean, they vary in quality and resolution, nothing particularly special. Um, and you know, relatively limited inbuilt memory, but they've got a micro SD card slot. So kind of intriguing. And actually, you, you think about the cheap uh, Windows phone or Windows 10 mobile devices, the Lumia 550, for example, they are coming in at around the £100 price mark. And of course, if you take away some of the uh, complexity in terms of not having a phone or something like that in it, you can afford to go up a bit on the screen size and still not 
have it it costs too much because of the obviously there's component cost savings but also all the licensing that you have to do for cellular radios and things like that so actually you know that was the more interesting thing for me from a, a windows 10 mobile point of view we were kind of expecting to see one or two new devices and actually most of them had already been outed in one way or another the that alcatel one was really the only new one but it was kind of the first time i'd seen in the flesh and sort of in any way getting publicity these basically tablets running windows phone of course it's actually running windows 10 mobile but uh you know it's something we've talked a little bit about before and uh, kind of interested to see your reaction i mean would you be interested in picking up a, a device like that to give you you know a bit physically bigger screen i mean i think as i say the the quality leaves a bit to, to desire when you're comparing to something like the 950 xl but sometimes just having a bit of a physically bigger screen is is you know, to be welcome for something like doing xl work or potentially watching videos so um any, any thoughts on that steve yes the uh, I, I have to say that for me, the the ultimate device is a one device that can do as much as possible. Mm. And tempting though it is to say, okay, we've got an eight inch device that you can put in a Bluetooth headset in, perhaps if they've licensed the cellular stuff. If it if in the case of the Pixie three, for example, um, so you can kind of make an eight inch device your all in one device, including your phone. But that is really stretching because you you try using that as a camera, for example, you try using that as a music player. You can't really take it everywhere with you and put it in every pocket. The really really interesting form factor for me is kind of going down just one notch. Now the nine fifty XL is more or less perfect, I would say. When the 1520 came out, Lumia fifteen twenty, about or uh, eighteen months or so ago, um, we all said. You know, quite rightly, this this thing's huge. <laughs> we we appreciated the fact that you could see an awful lot on it, and you, as Windows 10 Mobile came along with using that high resolution large screen much more effectively. And it's amazing how much more you can see on the screen than on the smaller devices. I think it, that the 1520 certainly come into its own. It's a shame they didn't sell very many, really, and they're quite hard to find secondhand as well. But we do have, I think, uh, one each, uh, yourself and myself. And also, also on the Android world, I've been playing a lot with the Nexus 6, exactly the same six-inch form factor, and I even did a little form fact, um, a YouTube video, which hopefully you can link to in the show notes or people can look at themselves using the Nexus 6 as a laptop. And I'm keen to do a, a, another video along the same lines using either the 950 XL or the 1520 as a mini laptop. Basically, you take a Bluetooth keyboard, a Bluetooth mouse, both of which Windows 10 Mobile supports. You prop up the phone on a suitable stand and bingo, you've kind of got yourself a mini laptop setup. And when you want to use the phone as a phone, it is only a, quote, only, only a six-inch screen device, and it is still pocketable. Um, and so that Nexus 6, that 1520, that kind of form fact, that Lumia 950XL, it can almost be my mini tablet. I can, I've, I've watched numerous films now on the 1520 and on the Nexus 6 and on the 950XL on Netflix. It works really, really well just sitting in bed. The screen's about, what, 11, 12, 13 inches in front of my eyes. And to the actual angle subtended, subtended by the picture in front of my eyes is roughly the same as my TV set. Um, sort of 12 feet away. So the experience is very similar. And the, the, the speak, as long as the speaker's loud enough, and if you've got headphones plugged in, even better, you've got the full stereo sound straight into your ears. So I, the eight inch screened tablets, they, they, they interest me in an intellectual sense. They don't really fire my imagination. When you get to the point where the device can actually go everywhere with you in, in more or less any pocket, in more or less any outfit. And I accept that in the height of the summer for all of two days in the UK, when you've got shorts and t-shirt on, it might be a problem, but, 
let's face it, for most of the time in the UK, you've got a jacket or a coat or, or trousers or something with a decent pocket, then I think the 1520, the 950XL, and that's say that Nexus 6 style form factor. Uh, in the 640XL, in the budget world, of course, uh, about £150 now, again, that sort of form factor. That, that's the one that really interests me because that really can be the one device that does as much as possible. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, from a personal point of view, I, I agree with you. I mean, I can't really see carrying around uh, an eight-inch um, device like that. I mean, I've experimented with tablets in that form factor before and sort of haven't got that much more out of them than I have from a phone. But I, I think it's actually good to have the choice, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens to that kind of form factor. And I think it is intriguing that, as I say, these come uh, with the option for basically an LTE modem. I mean, clearly the intention is these are used as data devices rather than for making uh, making calls. Um, but I, I, I tend to think, for me, the kind of the, the 5.5-inch or so phone plus then a bigger tablet transformer device in the surface has worked really well for me. Would it be different if I was starting from scratch? Honestly, I don't think so. But I can also see how someone might go, you know, they've got a, a low-end phone and that might be a Windows phone, it might be something else, but they want something, you know, a bigger phablet device and maybe these 8-inch devices might appeal. Uh, it, it is tricky when you talk about continuing and kind of the mix and matching between these is, is difficult because um, honestly what you've got here is a, a choice across a kind of portfolio of devices with slightly different capabilities. And I think it very much depends on what market and what individual you're looking at. So it'll be interesting to see how these do, because, you know, the thing I have to keep reminding myself of is, you know, never, of course, just look from the personal point of view. It's easy to say that. But if I look at the way the market's gone, actually, these smaller tablets have been very popular. You look at the Kindle Fire range, for example, or you look at the sales figures for kind of 7-inch versus 10-inch tablets, the smaller tablets have always done better than I thought they would, given, I'm not sure, as, as you suggest, how much more they add over a mobile phone in terms of that extra screen space. Um, and I think particularly when you look at some of the you know, the newer phablet phones, there's a lot more effort has been made to make the most of that screen real estate. You know, There is adaptation, optimization going on. We saw it a little bit on the 1520. It's, it, it's happening more now. And I'm not just talking about Android. You also see it on uh, iOS and uh, uh, Windows 10 Mobile does uh, a bit of it, and we've talked a little bit about some of the differences in the kind of the user interface that you see between the different sides of phones. And I th- suspect we'll see more of that once there are more Windows 10 Mobile devices available. But nonetheless, it was something that intrigued me at uh, CES. And so, as I said, you know, the phones were kind of expected a bit low key. I suspect we'll see more in Barcelona in February. But those eight inch tablets kind of caught my attention because we talked in the past about how uh, Windows 10 Mobile would work on both phone and tablets. But actually seeing it in the flesh, so to speak, uh, was a bit of an eye opener for me. Uh, the other other thing in terms of um, what was being shown off for Windows 10 Mobile was the 950 and the 950XL was being demonstrated with its continuing functionality in a couple of places, um, both on Qualcomm stand and a couple of other places. But one one that caught my attention, for example, was the Slimport Nano console. And this has previously been a product that's kind of played up to enable you to use your phone to play games on your TV. And it's basically, you know, doing HDMI out. But actually this was a, a device that kind of makes it easy to plug into your 
uh, TV by sort of doing all the cabling for you. And all you have to do is just plug in the one cable. And of course, it works as a kind of continuum dock adapter. And effectively, it's a third party continuum accessory. Uh, seemed to work very well from the quick play I had with it on the stand. And it was being used in a couple of other places for actually doing those kind of demonstrations of this is what looks like on a small screen. This is what then looks like on, on the big screen. So it's obviously caught a few tech people's attention and imagination. They've used it to, you know, uh, show off a, a few things. Um, I think it's far too early to say whether that's going to be something that gets picked up a, a wider trend. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Android and iOS kind of try to make more of that you know, using a bigger screen. I mean, Things like Air Display and uh, Chromecast already, already let you do that, but not with the kind of the, the full vision that's behind uh, uh, Continuum. But um, other than that, there was Windows 10 Mobile being supported for various connected devices. You know, Fitbit announced their new uh, kind of sports watch, the Fitbit Blaze, and that's supported by uh, Fitbit, which has a, a great uh, Windows 10 Mobile application. In other places, it was sort of noticeable that Windows 10 Mobile wasn't getting that much attention compared to Android and iOS. You know, when you talk about the smart home, for example, it was the exception rather than the rule to see Windows 10 Mobile supported. And, you know, I think it's fair to say it decreased in importance um, compared to kind of previous years. On the other hand, it was a pretty quiet show for mobile in general in terms of devices, uh, CES. I mean, Huawei did announce a new device, in fact, a couple of new devices, and ZTE had things there, but most of the major manufacturers were either absent altogether or were playing it pretty low-key. So, for example, both Sony and Samsung and LG all had very big stands in the main hall, but actually Samsung, for example, only had phones in a relatively small corner of their stand. I mean, I say relatively small uh, Samsung has an enormous stand, but the focus was actually on uh, smart home. They announced some new things for their smart things platform. Uh, did actually catch my attention. The USB extender, basically all the new Samsung smart TVs will ship with this accessory that allows you to use your TV as a kind of controller for your smart home, which kind of makes sense because it's a big screen. You're sitting there when someone knocks on the front door, you, they appear on the camera and that will work through the TV. Worth checking out if you're interested in that. But then it was also the, the washing machines, the fridges, same for LG. You had a, a fridge that you could knock on and would light up inside and automatically open if you put your door foot in the right place, all those kind of things. Then Samsung was also showing off kind of uh, the new watch or rather the whole ecosystem around that with apps and the Galaxy S6 Edge and, you know, that kind of family devices was, you know, it was there, but it was very much low key. So I think you would sort of say now that CES has become less important for phones. And I think that's really partly a reflection of some of the big manufacturers kind of want to do their own big announcement events. And of course, it is close to MWC, which is typically where we see kind of some other big announcements. And so I would, you know, always used to be, is CES going to spoil um, MWC? And last year, we LG, of course, announced one of their flagship devices in Las Vegas. This time around, I mean, you could argue that uh, Huawei's efforts um, with their Honor line, and also I think it was um, the 5C that they were announcing. But honestly, I, I expect Huawei will do more in Barcelona. So that's kind of a very quick roundup through CS. No doubt over the next few podcasts, I'll probably find an excuse to mention interesting bits and pieces uh, that I saw. Um, but I mean, if you're a Windows 10 mobile person, you could get slightly saddened by it simply because it wasn't present in a 
a meaningful way. But then I think it was more reflection that actually smartphones and the platforms, iOS and Android, particularly in the US, are all dominant. And other than that, the smartphones are just kind of endemic. They are everywhere. They're part of every product demo in many ways. And so it's not a mobile show. It's not where you expect or go to see that kind of new hardware. And in one sense, you know, it's, it's, you know, the blood that flows through everything else. It's, it's powering a lot of this internet of everything or this connected life. As I say, it is important to realize it's extended beyond the phone. And so, you know, you don't go to these shows with this mentality that I want to see new handsets. You sort of kind of gaze somewhat in incomprehension, admiration to just how far kind of this smartphones everywhere, a computer in everybody's pocket has enabled this kind of much wider distributed ecosystem of connected things, services, software to kind of flourish. And as I say, the phone is still very much the control point, but it is it is wider than that. And there is, I feel like, a, a spectrum or, if you will, a, a continuum of devices, all of which <laughs> kind of um, take on a much broader meaning and actually arguably a, a much easier to use as a result because you use the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. Um, and it's a bit like, you know, yes, you can use voice to speak to a connected smart speaker and get results back immediately rather than having to pull your phone out your pocket. And it, you know, the wearables are part of that. We've kind of seen how the smartwatch has become a companion device, but there's also an argument to be made that it should operate a certain amount standalone. And the Microsoft Band is an example of this sensor exp- explosion with kind of nine, ten sensors in it. But again, able to do useful things without actually any reference to the phone. Now, of course, that doesn't mean it's all like that. The, the phone, I think, still represents that heartbeat. And there's a lot of uh, kind of Venn diagrams going on with overlaps where you kind of, you get more out of it if you pair it with a phone or use it in a companion way. But as I say, it's important to realize that I think it is more than just this singular view of the world seen through the lens of a smartphone. It is much more than that. And, uh, for me, that was kind of interesting to see that brought home and brought to life by all the products that are coming onto the market. Because after all, that's kind of what CES is about. It's sharing off what will come onto the market later in the year. But it does allow you to kind of get a vision of the way things are moving. Uh, and for me, that's sort of summed up in that connected life and that sensor explosion and that new interactions and that wider spectrum of touch points and devices that, that was very much present at the show. Yeah, the, the, my laugh in the middle of that was because I thought your reference to continuum out of context from what Would we're about to talk people. about. No, no, I thought that was a, a very slinky segue yeah. into into the continuum um, display dock, which I will now slinkily move into because I, <laughs> I happen to know that uh, I think one of the various PR agencies has sent you on, on a short-term loan. Is it the 950 or XL and also the, the various gubbins, including the, the display dock? Is that right? That's right. Yes, it was the 950 XL and some of the accessories to go with it and actually I, I took these off to ces with me and it re- it provided a perfect way of recording things and first thing to say very impressed by the camera that despite some operator error which was actually just um, down to me it produced some spectacular results i'll share some of them on the site in due course but also just a way of knowing i could just snap a picture of a demo in you know, a crowded, poorly lit hall and get a, a decent result that would then jog my memory. Absolutely fantastic. Um, the 950XL, I mean, I echo a lot of what Steve has said in his reviews and his podcasts uh, over the past few weeks that 
it does feel like a very capable device, but there is something quite conservative about the design. And at least before I got the latest set of updates in terms of software, um, there were just a few things that were annoying in terms of the, it wasn't necessarily around performance. It just felt a bit buggy at times. It did require the odd restart and things didn't quite work as smoothly as I'd have liked. And I think nowhere was that more obvious than Continuum. Now, yeah. I will say I didn't have as bad experience with Continuum as as Steve did when we talked about this on the podcast before Christmas. But I think that was partly because I was forewarned and didn't have this sort of notion that I would be immediately able to switch in and out of modes. And we talked about this before before yeah. Christmas. The, you know, I kind of used it in Continuum mode, finished what I was doing and unplugged it, walked out the hotel room and did what I needed to. And that worked absolutely fine. And as a way of doing office editing on the go, really very impressed by that. Um, I did actually take my Surface with me and frankly, I did need it for some of the kind of more complex bits and pieces I was doing. But in terms of some of the Excel spreadsheets I was having to review, looking through lists of stand and going, which ones am I going to visit and doing some write-ups as I was going along, it would have been more than sufficient. Um, And I think that's because of the the mode of working that was very much right. I need to do this now, and you know, then I can pick up my phone and walk out the room. I wasn't. I think what you must have been doing, Steve, is doing a lot more switching back and forth, partly because you're presumably experimenting with it, yeah, and maybe yeah. that's just the style of work. But I have to say, it worked really well for me. Um, being able to plug it into the big uh, TV screen in the hotel, I was fortunate that they had exposed the HDMI port. I used it <laughs> yeah. with a, a Bluetooth keyboard and um, one of the Microsoft Arc mice, which is you know, a very good combination. Um, and uh, because, as I said, I was so focused on getting something specific done, I was kind of into one application, writing away and really being able to take advantage of the bigger screen because it, it really helps when you're doing writing or editing. Because I think if you're using particularly something like an Excel spreadsheet where you've got maybe 10 columns and 20 rows that you want to be able to look at at the same time, it's really not possible to do that on a phone without zooming right out and squinting. And similarly for a, a Word file, when you're mo- moving chunks of text around it's it's just easier doing it with a mouse and a keyboard. And if you know the shortcuts especially, it, it, it works really well. And so uh, I would have to give continue more of an endorsement than you did when we talked about it on the podcast. It, it, it's also been notable that more applications have come out that have supported it. Um, I actually didn't look much beyond the Office apps because that's what I was working on and that's what I needed it to do, uh, plus a bit of uh, email. Um, but I did notice that Facebook, for example, has come out in the last few days and that's got uh, continuum support as well. I haven't actually used it. But all in all, I was actually really, really quite impressed by it. But as I say, I think that was because I was sort of forewarned by your experience with it and was using it in almost a a different different mode and i suspect mine might be a bit closer to the way that road warriors would typically use it you know it's i want to do a specific thing in continuum that's taking advantage of the big screen and it works great for that what i wonder would have probably annoyed me more is if i had been getting phone calls and things that interrupted that process um which would have required me to unplug the phone and take it away and as you described it kind of doesn't remember where you are yeah so I, you know, I, I say that with a pinch of salt, and I'm actually going to use it a little bit more now I'm back in the UK and see how I get on with it. Um, but I think that's the first thing where there was kind of a disagreement with 
the experience that you had, I do wonder whether it was because I was in a kind of very different scenario on the road trying to get some work done as quickly and as efficiently as possible when it worked really well. And just to echo what you said, the actual hardware itself, the accessory, really nicely done, worked pretty pretty flawlessly. Um, and then the Continuum app on the phone itself was, was, was fine. But because I was using it with a Bluetooth keyboard and a Bluetooth mouth, I, I really was using it as a computer. I wasn't using the phone as kind of an accessory, which, um, as we described previously, you can do as kind of a pointer and a, as a touchpad and things like that. And I wonder if, you know, using it in that, that kind of very pure mode almost worked better. Um, so that, that was an interesting one. The, the hardware itself, the 950XL, um, it's interesting. I know you said you kind of were moving towards preferring it. I found it a little bit on the big side. So I think I'd probably choose to get a, a 950 as my, kind of long-term device in the future and certainly will do i mean windows 10 mobile no great surprises simply because i've been using it on various windows phone upgraded devices for a while and so um, i think for people who've done that there'll be less magic to the software but you know yes it works faster it's more efficient and i did notice compared to my lumia 830 it was very snappy in terms of performance and certain tasks. And I think web browsing is one of the most obvious of those, but also bits of email and doing office work as well. Very noticeable. And the camera performance, um, that's, you know, I, I thought the yeah. 830 was pretty good in that respect. But given that you're, it's high, higher megapixels, it's better quality camera, and you're capturing these kind of, uh, you know, extra information because it's the rich capture um, and you're getting the live photos as well, you know, in that that sense really impressive because i was using it at a show like this and have been very busy with work subsequently it's actually been given a, a really heavy workout in kind of what i do day to day which is camera capture a fair amount of email a bit of web browsing and then use of a, a few apps i did notice the app gap I would, because of the airline i was flying on it wasn't supporting uh, windows 10 mobile so i was actually using an iphone to get my boarding pass and so that was kind of representative of the app gap if you will um but if if i you know and i actually did make this decision on one day i was just carrying a single device i absolutely took the lumia 950xl because i knew it was going to have good battery life and it was certainly last throughout the day the browsing and email on the spot was was no problem but actually it was all about the camera for me at um, ces and it, it performed admirably yeah, well, people will know from my various features on the site, particularly in December, that I, I was really bowled over by how good the, the image quality was from the 950 and 950XL, that the large sensor, the OIS, the image processing, I know the image processing takes a few seconds longer than you'd like it to, but the, the results, once it's done its color corrections and its white balance adjustments and, and its um, pure view oversampling, once it's done all that, the results are spectacular. And I would argue that, that it's the top imaging smartphone in, on the market today, which is ho hopefully high praise coming from me. I still, yes, I'd still rather add Zen and Flash, but let's get past that. Triple <laughs> LED was working quite well. And if you look at the, the tests I did, uh, I've had some reasonable, not perfect results but some reasonable results with you know small relatives running around and some of the shots have been okay i'll i'll go no further than that but for most phones out there they're just single led or dual led so triple led plus the the large sensor and the large f uh, large aperture i think the 950 xl um, and the 950 they really can be my my everyday phone of choice is when it comes to the camera and that's something i didn't think i'd say for going back six months or so and um, the 1020 i've still got here because 
Um, well, I still think that um, Windows 10 Mobile isn't quite ready. I've done numerous editorials on this on the site over the last month. I still get the feeling, I'm looking at 950 right now, and the OS version is uh, build 36. That's the official stable version. And my, the Insider's preview, um, which went up to build 63 about three or four days ago, that actually feels a lot closer. So I'm, I'm really hoping they push that or a later version out to the 950 and 950XL pretty soon. There was also a Microsoft MDG update, which I'm assuming you got, Rafe, which actually touches the firmware and deals with some of the lower-level drivers and lower-level software. And I think that actually had a big effect in terms of battery life on the two 950 models. So I think things are coming together. My, I, we, we, we expressed these things in percentages before Christmas, Rafe, and I forget what I quoted. I think something like 95% ready. I would say we're probably about 98% there, but there is that last 2%. And, for example, I was using the, the Lumia 930 yesterday with my main sim in and it missed two vital text messages which means that my daughter didn't get picked up and I, they, they literally did not sound I had the, the ringers notifications were set up everything was in place the text messages literally did not notify me and you can't have that kind of cri- mission critical fail in family life is what gets the data f- a bad names <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do feel they've just got to get that last couple of percent right otherwise you can't put your hand on your heart and say okay the 950 or the 950XL or the Jade Primo or whatever is my main smart and it does everything because it doesn't quite do everything yet yeah i I think that's a really good way of putting it Uh, it's going to entirely depend on what you're using it for and honestly it's quite hard to chase these down to individual bugs i think that text messaging one's a good example because of course i'm sure you've got plenty of messages that have notified you exactly correctly and you don't know why it was not working on that occasion is that a, a correct guess Yes, it's, it's a mystery uh, that the 930 had been working fine the previous day. Just all of a sudden, some weird concoction of bugs and some combination of factors in the background caused some background process not to fire off. And hey, presto, no notification. But for the end user, all you know is that uh, your family is waiting for you to pick them up and you're at home watching TV and, uh, and uh, then you get, you're in the dog's house. Yeah, and subsequently you're sleeping with the dog in the dog house that <laughs> evening. Uh, uh, and actually, I came across a couple of those. And to be quite honest, I can't tell whether it was bad connectivity not noticing because I was sort of uh, tired or sort of otherwise distracted where I, I missed a text message and a call coming in. Um, I think actually in that instance, I would probably put it down to me rather than the phone. Uh, but I've talked to other people who have been trying out the device and who've been trying, you know, the uh, kind of insider versions of Windows 10 Mobile. And I think that's a fairly common story. I, I, I would suggest yeah, the 98% figure sound, sounds right to me. But I would say with the caveat that some people will find 100%, they'll be perfectly happy. They won't have anything go wrong with it. And some people will probably have more problems. And I had one person say to me, oh, it's it's fine. I, you know, reboot the phone every day and go, well, that's, that, that's fine for you, but that's not normal user behavior. Most people now leave their smartphone on, on permanently. So I think there is still a bit of work to do. It, it feels a bit churlish to complain about it because I was very, very impressed by uh, 950 XLN use because I gave it the hardest possible ask, really, in taking it off to CS and just expecting it to work. Now, I probably made it easier on myself having used Windows 10 Mobile for a while. Um, but in terms of things like the battery life, the performance, it, it, it didn't let me down. Um, so... I was you know, enormously impressed. It's going to be interesting now I've come back to the UK kind of in a slightly more normal usage pattern. Um, I've actually used it less because I've just been tied to a desk most of the week and so it's just had the occasional use at home and then uh, walking back and forth between a couple of different meetings. 
Um, and you know, I've got my main sim. It's been been working very well. It's actually going to be going back after the end of the trial period. Um, but it's certainly enough to make me go, yes, I want to have one of these as my main devices uh, going forward. Uh, which which I guess is probably the best endorsement I can give it. With the caveat that just just like Steve, sort of waiting for a few more improvements. Um, I probably would use it as my main device at this point. I don't think I would have uh, any any hesitation in, in doing that. Um, and it, I am reminded how big a leap forward Windows 10 Mobile is for a lot of the features and functionality. At the same time, there is just a little bit of me that says it's actually almost more capable than I need it to be. And that might sound slightly bizarre, but because actually for me, most of my smartphone usage is in short periods between easy access to um, you know, a, a laptop computer or a desktop computer. Uh, I probably don't need it to be the do-everything tool. It is that kind of glanceable information, that quick hit of information. That, and, you know, Windows Phone is, is very good for that. Uh, Windows 10 Mobile, uh, by introducing, I would say, a little bit more complexity, perhaps moves away from the purity that we had with Windows Phone. Um, so for some people, I think they're going to be surprised to find that there's a... Bo- I'm not sure complexity is the right word. Uh, I think it's sort of the difference between a smartphone as people have come to expect it now is actually very much becoming a computer. Those of us who've been around the smartphone world longer will remember it where it was sort of more of a phone emphasis and the kind of communication. And it was almost a, a less is more thing. And now that has changed because it has become people's primary device. That means it's meant to do everything. And so an example of that is having more powerful office apps on it that are basically equivalent and can do the same functionalities on the desktop or at least for, you know, 90% of the core functionality. Previously, it was kind of the focus was on it being a viewer. Now, in the case of office, that's actually something I very much welcome because it's a key use case for me. But there are all sorts of other bits of uh, you know, use where that's happened and perhaps it's gone further than I needed it to. And maybe an example of that would be the news application, which is sort of, got a bit more not complex in its layout but it's just doing a little bit more and it's kind of moved away from that simplicity and purity of the one-handed phone usage uh so as i said it's kind of interesting to hear myself say this i'm sounding a bit negative complaining about it because i don't really mean to do that but it is more of a step change than i think i was perhaps expecting and this is something i've sort of talked a little bit about and thought as i've been using windows 10 mobile in its insider form but it's kind of almost more noticeable having switched to a brand new device. I mean, I think maybe you just mentally think about it in a different way. It's a, a more obvious step change. Of course, I have had the 830 running alongside it um, as well, whereas before I was tending to carry one device either or with me. Um, so I'm sure we'll talk more about this in future future episodes and we're going to be of course talking about the new device and windows 10 mobile more as additional updates come out but uh, maybe i'll leave you with that thought and uh, yes one last thing before we do finish this particular podcast just wanted to mention that i put up a, a, a short flow with a link to a microsoft page where it details the various firmware and os versions for every single lumia variant every single model Every single country, basically, if you dig down into the pick list, you can find your country and every single variant for every single network. And the idea is that Microsoft will update this as the Windows 10 mobile um, uh, upgrade appears and is available over the air. I do think people will, will be surprised um, about how many of these variants and models do get kind of left behind. And perhaps Microsoft would say, well, 
we're thinking about it. We're still testing it. I suspect things like the the the, the X twenty processor devices, like the uh, the five the five twenty, the six twenty, the seven twenty, the eight twenty, the nine twenty, and even the, my beloved ten twenty, they'll all be delayed certainly by a couple of months while things get optimized. I do think some of the devices with five twelve megabytes of RAM may actually get left behind, and there were some rumours uh, today on on the net that the in Australia one of the networks has definitively said that the Lumia six thirty won't get the upgrade off at all and i suspect there'll be something of that happening whereby networks around the world will test windows 10 mobile with the half gigabyte of ram and the older processors and may just say okay look, it's not quite good enough we're going to get calls from our, our users they're going to say well what's happened to the interface why is it half the speed etc um, there is clearly work to be done here microsoft said originally they wanted to get windows 10 mobile on almost all um, the devices on the majority of devices, I suspect the majority will actually be something like 60 to 70%. And of those, well, there's some debate about how compulsory this update is going to be. Some people think it will just appear on people's phones overnight. I think that uh, Microsoft will be shooting themselves in the foot because there will be some very confused, very irate users seeing that their phone's layout and UI had changed overnight without any as much as a buy or leave. But uh, it's a kind of confusing situation, which is why I put up the table, Rafe, and I, of course, talk, will talk people through it on the site in the coming days, weeks, and months. But I think we could be looking at two or three months of uh, of, of exciting action, shall we say. Yes, I think if you uh, can call a, a software update exciting, which of course we can on all about <laughs> Windows can. Phone. Uh, uh, and, and you're right, you know, there's going to be, uh, it's not going to be a catch-all or one step, you're going to have to go and check out out things. And it's probably as it should be, and it's kind of the usual reminder, if you really want this update, you've probably already got it because you've signed into the insider yeah. program and got it that way. So yeah. I, I'm not too worried about you know, how, how this is presented. Of course, it's it's great to get it via the official rollout. But I think you're right. Some operators will choose not to do it for support cost reasons, and uh, it may not be possible for other devices. But what we can say is uh, Microsoft is doing a good job of documenting the process with this table. And Steve says, I'm sure we'll be referring to it more in the future. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've, we've managed to hit about uh, 50 minutes, Rafe, rather than the three hours. But I think that's deli- delightfully <laughs> teased people that there's plenty more from CES, from your experiences with the 950XL and from Continuum. And it's all the rest of the uh, ecosystem combined over the next few podcasts. So I shall say goodbye and I'll leave Rafe to uh, sign off as well. Yes, I'll sign off as well. Hopefully uh, next time I'll feel and sound a little bit less tired having caught up with uh, all the activities in the sleep from uh, CES, but lots more to share. And there's going to be a lot more to share as we go into 2016 as well. So uh, belated happy new year for me and goodbye.